2: Where we report on the works of God all over the world as relates to the end time word.
3: Well, welcome, friends, once again to another episode of the Believer's Faith Challenge podcast. Brother Mark Ajo here with you. I'm so glad to be with you today. A great saint has gone on to his reward. Of course, the ripples. Have gone around the world by now that our brother, dear brother Harold Hildebrandt, has gone on and passed out of this life to be with his Lord that he served so diligently for so many years, and uh, this kind of thing it it always has a, a tinge of sadness, but uh, not we don't uh, sorrow as others who have no hope, because we know that our brother is in a better place and that we will be reunited with him and all the great saints that have gone before once again. Well, of course, this is a missions podcast, and many things can be said about the life and ministry of Brother Harold. But uh, Brother Tim has put together some interviews that can help us look specifically at the missionary legacy that Brother Hildebrandt left behind, the works that he'd done over the years in printing and traveling, and we've got some some guests today that can really speak to that some people who traveled with brother Harold and knew him well so i hope that these interviews will be as enlightening and inspiring to you as they have been to me so god bless you brother tim thank you for putting these interviews together and i look forward to uh, hearing them and sharing this with our
0: listeners thank you brother mark and god bless you everyone so good to be here Again, it's been a few weeks since our last podcast. We've been busy, and we've been putting a lot of effort in gathering some quality uh, contributors to this podcast here today. so welcome everyone and and we're We're talking about a life that had a great impact around the world, especially in Africa and as bible believers. Believers Faith Challenge podcast, as we call this, is about missions. I thought it was only uh, appropriate that we uh, celebrate the life, celebrate the impact, and uh, pay tribute to a great ministry that God put amongst us in Brother Harold Hildebrandt. You know, Brother Mark, you mentioned uh, the—you know—there is some sadness to it. There is some. Uh, realization that uh, Brother Hildebrand has gone on to his reward. And he was a real friend to me and I'll maybe mention something later, but uh, I was just reading in the Hebrew series, Brother Branham talks about death in Hebrews chapter 2, part 3, and he says there's no need of fearing death. He says now, of course, none of us we want to as what we call die, but do you know that a pers- if a person is born again, he cannot die? The word death means separation. How he'll- Now he'll separate from the presence of our eyes, but he's always in the presence of God, always will be. So death isn't a hard thing. Death is a glorious thing. Death is what takes us in the presence of God. And if we stop there, that would only be one side of it. But I want to continue on to the next paragraph where Brother Branham talks about the other side of it. And he says, but now of course we, being human, walk in these dark elements here. We do not understand it as we should. Of course when the choking pangs of death come it makes the very saintest of us fear and draw back. It makes the Son of God say, could this cup pass? It's a horrible thing, don't get it wrong. But if we can look just beyond the curtain yonder. We may not be able to look beyond the curtain today, but beyond that curtain is a man that finished his course, and he's gone to his rewards. But maybe we can look at a life and see the impact that it had upon many. And so let's begin with talking to some of our guests today. We want to welcome Brother Kim Dingwall now with us, and we're glad to have him here on the podcast. So welcome, Brother Kim. Good morning. Thank you. Um, We're talking about Brother Harold Hildebrandt today, and Brother Kim and I have known each other since the 80s, but of course he's known Brother Hildebrandt before that. Brother Hildebrandt was his pastor. Uh, He was saved in Brother Hildebrandt's church and uh, spent many years there working with Brother Hildebrandt. Uh, so he knows him quite well and has traveled with Brother Harold. Uh, we are talking today about the missions work specifically of Brother Harold, but Brother Kim, give us a little background of your first connection with Brother Harold, how you got saved, and how you came to be associated with End Time Message Tabernacle.
4: Well, when I uh, in, in the late 70s, 1978, I went to a service at the church and brother Harold was preaching and he preached a message called Sun Life a little play on words between S-U-N-S-O-N. and S-O-N and by the time he was done preaching I knew I needed to get saved but not being churched uh, when brother Harold walked out of the church I grabbed him by his coat the tail of his coat and said hey mister I need to talk to you and uh, we went back in the tape room and I said uh, I need to get saved but my life is a mess do you think the Lord can give me three weeks to sort things out and uh, he said, "Well, just calm down. Let's talk a little bit, you know." And 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 that's where it all started. <laughs> that's tremendous testimony all in itself.
0: Um, now, Brother Harold was a great missionary, and that really underplays his role in what God has used him for in this end time message. Uh, Brother Kim, you got saved, you. I don't know whether you traveled with him when you were single or after you got married and the different uh timelines of your life but um what was your
4: first what year was your first trip with brother Harold? Uh first trip I went with brother Harold was uh into Uganda. Um I had already made several trips into India by that point on my own. Okay. Now
0: at that time, you know, our listeners need to understand that in the 80s, there's no cell phones. Computers are very rudimentary. Um, printing books is an arduous task. Laying out translations, all of those sorts of things is a huge project, much more difficult than it is now in this very automated world that we have. So when you went to brother, with Brother Harold to Uganda, what was the purpose of your
4: trip there? Well, of course, brother brother Harold had a real desire to get the word to the people, get the messages translated in their hands, and of course he was very concerned to get the church ages and the seals. So he asked me to come along. To uh, I basically packaged up a computer, and we took it over there. It was original I, IBM PS one. They were very old, and uh, took it over there and trained the brothers how to uh, translate into the. and and typeset it into the computer.
0: Were those messages uh, that they translated and typeset, were they printed in Uganda? No, we printed those in Canada and shipped them over. Okay. All right, so you printed them in Edmonton there? Yes. Okay. Now, you traveled with Brother Harold. At times, I know he would go for six weeks or so on a trip, and uh, you spent times with him. Why don't you describe a, a trip
4: with Brother Harold, your typical um, travel with brother Harold? Well, you know, non-typical, one of the, one of the outstanding things I remember is when the, the the time I went the first time with him and we had, uh, we had a computer and took it over there and we were training with the intent of training them. Um, brother Harold in Heathrow airport had a gallbladder attack and he was laying underneath the benches in the airport writhing in pain. And we were connected. We were supposed to connect through to Entebbe in Uganda, and our baggage had already been checked through. And and we're and I'm trying to decide. So now what do I do, Brother Harold? In this shape and and uh, after a while, it was there were uh, last call for the flight, and Brother Harold still in really tough shape. And he looked at me in his gentle German way and said, "Are you going to pray for me or not?" <laughs> so we went ahead and we had prayer. And Brother Harold got up and got on the airplane, and the Lord touched him, and he was fine through the entire trip and then had to have the surgery when he got home. My, my, my. Now that's a real soldier. Now you're in Uganda
0: after that, and and probably how how that trip would be how long? Six weeks? I think it was about four, actually. That trip was about four. Okay.
4: And how often would Brother Harold preach? in a four-week trip so a typical a a typical trip looked like you got picked up from the airport and headed straight to a service Um, and and of course in those days travel was altogether different they were still smoking on the airplanes and uh, brother Harold and I had to stop in Vancouver to get a visa which put us at the back of the airplane so we sat in the smoking section all the way brother Harold was sick as can be smoking in the uh, not smoking but (laughs) secondhand smoking (laughs) <laughs> yes, uh, and and he was really sick, which was part, I think, what brought on that attack. And uh, so you get there, we'd been up for 30-some hours, and they whisked Brother Harold straight from the airplane to the pulpit. And that was, that was the first meeting. And then uh, the schedule looked like at least two, oftentimes three services a day, with ministers' meetings in between. My... So what was the response? What was it like in the
0: beginning? Because I know that the churches were smaller, the message was newer, and uh, what was it like for the people in Uganda as they responded to the
4: word there? Some of the people had been loosely introduced to the message and had picked up in the message where Brother Branham said, when people preached, the people would look and listen and they would walk up and shake their finger under their nose and say, you're not saying what Paul said. So some of them were sitting there clutching their one or two books hat, that they had in their hand and were waiting for Brother Harold to say something different than what Brother Branham had said. And they'd have walked up and said, you're not saying what Brother Branham said. Uh, it was kind of the atmosphere. But of course, that never happened uh, because he preached the message. And, you know, so Brother Harold was really gifted at gathering people together who were loosely gathered around the message, preaching the foundational doctrines of the message, and establishing the church, and vaccinating him against false doctrine. That was kind of his role.
0: I think that's one of the great things of any ministry that's going to sow the message of the hour, is that it's not just preaching wonderful, inspirational messages, but they have to have the substance word to be able to stand against the enemy when he comes in with a a different perspective or a slight slant or something like that. Was there any aspect of uh, the word that Brother Harold didn't touch on when he was in the field? Uh, For example, um, you know, he knew, you know, there's the spiritual side of people, there's the natural side of people, there's the church order side of things, all those kind of aspects of a spiritual walk.
4: Well, of course, Brother Harold, being a uh, one of those early founding ministers, was multi gifted. Um, you know, he was a pastor, he was an evangelist, he was an apostle. Um, I, for myself, as a song leader working with Brother Harold, I knew if it didn't work out, that he could fix that when he got to the pulpit. He was just he was one of those early pastors that had everything in the wagon. So you know, he he really ministered to all the needs of the people he was dealing with marriage situations, he was dealing with, um, you know, how to get the church set up and structured, and when Brother Harold left, he usually got there, and there was a loose group of people that had sort of heard about the message, and when they left, there was a pastor established, and deacons, and trustees, and song leaders, and the church schedules, and a place to meet, he would either help them rent or build a place, and really establish the church, and then move on. We touched on it earlier, but maybe let's go back
0: there translation I, and putting the message into the people's hands, which is crucial for the uh, growth of the church, for the clothing of the Bride of Jesus Christ, as we like to say you know it's it is the word that the bride is clothed with, and she is clothed with the garments of her own nationality and so uh, so Brother Harold did a lot of work in translation and leaving. People with the ability to translate and to get into the message themselves maybe you could comment on that just a
4: little bit more okay well I can talk a little bit about the process I mean we we took a computer over and then I sat down to people who had never hardly seen electricity and and um, you know had to teach them how to type and then teach them how to type in their language on the computer we developed a spell checker for, for both Lugandan and Tesla languages so that uh, that would be a part of it. And, of course, we didn't have email in those days. So what would happen is the translators would work on paper and actually translate on paper and then go through a proofreader, and which would then mark that up with a different color pen and cross it all out. And then somebody would write the final and then somebody else would actually type it into the computer. And then they would copy that onto a disc, a three and a half inch floppy disc, and they would mail that to me in Edmonton. And then I would go through that and actually typeset that and get it ready for the printers. After I typeset it, then I had to mail back a hard copy manuscript so that they could read it to make sure I hadn't messed up any of the content. They would read that, mark it up, send it back to me, I would do the corrections, then it would go to the printer. Mercy. That how long of a process we're talking months here. Well, oh, yeah, from the uh, the it, it took us probably uh, and and yet and yet it was a big process, but from the time we said let's translate to the time the church ages and seals were published in two languages was about a year. That's tremendous. That's a lot
0: of concentrated effort. You know, I can say that now. I mean, now we have the benefit of internet. You can send a file across the internet and you can do it on your phone even and all that kind of stuff. But I don't know if the listeners caught it, but you said they would send you a three-and-a-half-inch, what we call a floppy disk. Now, if our listeners are under the age of, say, 25, they might not even know what that is. But uh, it's like a USB drive, only it's a disk. And, yeah, it's too complicated to explain on a on a uh, podcast. So, anyway, the, the translation work, as we know, is... Uh, crucially important and the impact of it is tremendous i think a preacher can go and preach and it's important that we preach the gospel in power and in demonstration but ultimately i i believe and i think you do too brother kim that the greatest impact is to get the message into their hands and leave them with the ability to access the message of the hour
4: yeah that was that was the thrust Uh, was to get them the message, because if they get the message, they can feed themselves. And, you know, we can look back at it now in retrospect and say the foundation that Brother Harold laid between his own ministry, but essentially it was getting the message in their hands, which they read for themselves and God quickened themselves. And the church then became actually independent like it's supposed to. I think that's
0: a a good segue to talk about a brother specifically because I'm going to play a clip for our listeners here now uh, from brother Stephen Bally. and uh, uh, why don't you comment I know brother Stephen was one of the early brothers uh, there was brother Odipio there in Uganda and uh, brother Stephen uh, shortly thereafter became a believer preacher and uh, became now one of the main elders in that country of the message
4: how, how did you meet brother Stephen uh, brother Stephen, I met when I went on the first trip and he organized the translators. And, uh, when we met Stephen, Stephen and I carry, uh, have an interesting connection in that, uh, we were born in the same year naturally and we were born again in the same year spiritually. So we consider ourselves brothers, you know, mm. and, uh, and Brother Stephen, of course, um you know, slow and methodical in his in his approach to things, he wasn't all over the place and flighty um Charles Odipio was another one who was a kind of unsung hero at the time. I remember as we traveled from church to church and different places, uh, people would always give a testimony of being out somewhere and witnessing and the Lord moving, and the common denominator in them all was me and Charles, Charles and I, and they were all traveling with Charles. Charles was a, was a real evangelist at the time, really getting the message out throughout the country. Amen. Amen. So let's listen to the, uh, comments from
5: brother, uh, Stephen. God bless you. My name is Stephen Ivale. I'm from Jinja, Uganda. I have just a few memorial comments to make about my friend, Brother Harold Hildebrandt, <clears throat> how we knew each other and how we related. It was the August of uh, 1986 and Uganda just uh, stepped out of factional wars that followed the fall of Amin. Brother Harold and Sister Malin jetted into the runways not calling it an airport since it was dilapidated, of the infamous Entebbe Airport that, if you remember, the night means at Entebbe. Driven to the Silver Springs, a hotel without, I mean, doors without locks, they were just fastened by ropes and served tea without sugar. That was the first welcome he had in the country. He ministered in Kampala to a group of about 50 of us since the church in the country was still young. We then traveled a distance of 260 kilometers to the eastern town of Mbale, a distance that took us eight hours due to the bad roads and the condition, I mean, bad road condition, and also very frequent military road checks. With the teenage soldiers holding AK 47s. And uh, that was the memory of Brother Harold so much on that first visit <clears throat> the teenagers holding big guns. So, such were the conditions that ushered Harold into Uganda. He was not a tourist, he was the true embodiment of a missionary to Africa. He did not come to enjoy the beauty of the country because there wasn't any. And neither did he come to enjoy the warmth of fellowship of established groups. He was a church planter. That went around speaking to small pockets of believers in the country. He had the grace to speak to 20 people, 10 people, 15 people. It never bothered him. So two years later in December of 1988, we did a countrywide convention that gathered a thousand of us. The seed had been planted and the harvest was on. So after the 1988 convention, I wrote a report entitled, Harold's Herod Visit to Uganda, like he had the key. that unlocked the understanding of the message for our people. You know, he loved Uganda so much that sometimes you could come twice a year. He preached in every terrain of the country where I shared life with the simple. I remember the year 1997 when we had El Nino rains that washed bridges and uh, train lines and digging out coffins in the mountainous eastern region of Mbale and running them down the valley. You know, Brother Harrod was with us and the bridges were breaking behind us and we could not, uh, you, you know, we could not uh, come back to the points of Oregon through, you know, the shortest routes we had used because there was such a problem that the bridges were breaking. And as we went forward, looking for alternative roads, which took so uh, long distances, we could not be sure whether we would find the bridges still uh, holding. So not enough can be said of this general, whose motivation was purely the source of men. He will be remembered by his popular phrases. The lion has roared, who will not fear? The Lord God has spoken, who can but prophesy? And behind that, he wrote a pamphlet on the Lord God has spoken, which has influenced so many people in the message in this country. And then he had also another phrase, thou must prophesy again before many people and nations and tongues and kings so that voice gradually went faint and feeble in the regions of the motto, but has finally landed into the land of the immortal where a worthy portion of heaven awaited him and together with the saints he is praising the lord Standing ovation for sister yam a gift into the life of brother Harold. May God bless that sister and the entire family. Fare thee well, fellow soldier. As the hearts bow in honor of your legacy, our bodies give you a standing ovation. Till then, meet at the Stand Gate. God bless you. Well,
0: that was wonderful uh, from Brother Steve in a valley. And uh, he brings up some valid points, and that is the ruggedness of those early trips. But Brother Harold often took Sister Marlene, Brother Kim, and uh, you were mentioning to me before about carrying the luggage and arriving at the airport and and checkpoints and different things.
4: Why don't you kind of comment on that? Yeah, it was was an interesting time because, of course, Uganda had just gone through civil war, um, and there was a lot of remnants of that all throughout the country. Um, so there was, you know, driving from Kampala to Jinja, which is normally only a few hour drive, um, there was checkpoints all along the road and there was boy soldiers with AK-47s who would stop you every few miles and they'd they'd get you out of the vehicle and point the gun right into your stomach and, and, you know, needed a payment to get through that checkpoint from that one to the next one to the next one. Um you know we had to we had to exchange currency in creative ways um there, it was it was entirely different than it is now it 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 was rugged it was dangerous um and and so brother Harold was a real pioneer and sister Marlene was just a trooper to uh tag along i think normally when i went brother Harold didn't take Marlene and i think Marlene liked the fact that i went with brother Harold <laughs> but she would go and Uh,
0: carry luggage Mm -hmm. she's just a frail small woman and uh, she would carry luggage with Brother Harold which did not have wheels Mm -hmm. you know you're not pulling luggage like we are now and and uh, just even the advent of wheels on luggage is a great blessing to mission work but uh, uh, but also touched on the basis of there was no cell phones there was no computers laptops to record information and how she would help Brother Harold to keep the details straight on these trips.
4: Yeah, Sister Marlene was so integral to his ministry. Um, You know, she was a real missionary wife. She traveled with him. She got all the contact information. She maintained all the contacts. She wrote most of the letters that went back. Brother Harold would say, you know, Brother Harold would dictate them, of course, and sign them. But Sister Marlene was very diligent to make sure communication was going on a regular basis. Because, of course, when you've got a young fledgling church, staying in communication and answering questions and dealing with issues as they come up is very important. And Sister Marlene was an integral part of that. Now she would actually make notes during Brother Harold's
0: personal meetings with the ministers, names, church names, locations, number of
4: people. Yeah, she kept all those records and and kept all that straight and uh and then and then was the one that made sure Brother Harold was following up with all those people afterwards. I wish I had somebody doing that with me sometimes.
0: <laughs> sometimes it's easy to get lost even in the advent of emails and and text messages and everything. Those are really now irreplaceable to assist in keeping track of things. Now, I should say that Brother Kim was the mission director here in Cloverdale before I was, and uh, he worked with Brother Biscoe very closely and uh, helping establish and, and was the the main worker in establishing the Message Hub, among other things. And so he continues to be involved in missions, even though now you're the principal of the school here. But uh, what are your thoughts on Brother Hildebrandt's impact on the mission field, especially Africa, but generally uh, as far as the legacy that he has left behind and maybe
4: how it has impacted you? Of course, the legacy that he left behind, you know, traveling with Brother Harold on the mission field and listening to him preach three times a day, um, often in a different city each day, and often the same message because it was the same message that most churches were at the same maturity level and needed the same message. It was I was amazed with the passion with which he could speak the same message over and over and over again. Which kind of sounds like an evangelist, and then I was amazed at his ability to set a church in order, which sounds a little bit more like an apostle and Then I was amazed with his ability to sit with families and all the different things that he did, and the pastoral gift that he that he demonstrated when he was there, so it was quite- quite incredible but the the the, the key thing for me was his passion to see them get the word for themselves so that they could you know, so that they were going directly to the message as a source and didn't need to come through him, um, you'll find that you can almost never find a recorded message of Brother Harold's because Brother Harold said what needs to be recorded, and what needs to be propagated is the message of the hour, not his tapes. Um, and so it, it's been interesting as I've traveled, because I've continued to travel. When you ask the personal impact on me, I mean, you get introduced to mission work as a young man, and get uh you know and you've been active on the field that never leaves you um which is why when I got involved in the school and I, I got involved with Cloverdale Bible Way School and I have really felt that you know as a Christian school we should be doing mission work and we should be taking our kids on the mission field and uh the first place that came to my mind was Uganda mm-hmm. and that's where we took the took the boys and and uh so uh, literally Whenever I've traveled on the field with a minister, myself not being a minister, um, I'm always sitting and listening, and I sometimes catch myself thinking, that's not how Brother Harold would have done that. Um, you know, I was, uh, I, I've was i been at different places, and I've seen maybe a, a minister come in and do a weekend of pastoral meetings and, and, and go home, and I'm thinking, you know, if you get them the message... Then they could do their own pastoral messages. And so I find myself, whenever I'm on the field, thinking, hmm, I can think of a better way to do this because I had such a good example in Brother Harold.
0: Amen. Well, let me ask you one more question before we close, Brother Kim. Um, how, as a young man, you went on the mission field, you saw a lot of things. You saw poverty, you saw. Needs spiritually. You saw, you saw growth. You saw error. You saw a lot of things. Uh, how would you say that impacted your personal spiritual growth as you pondered these things? I know, I know you, brother Kim, as as maybe a deep thinker, uh, maybe a little bit. I made this a little bit the same way, and uh, you know, you can't help but see all of those things and realize it's it's had an effect in molding your life
4: yeah it's really interesting some of the first trips I made were actually to India and uh, in the early in the early 80s around 1982 or 3 I remember being in India and when you you know there's a lot of poverty and you look around and you just see this but it's it can almost be a little bit dismissive in our paradigm until I, I saw a woman sitting on a curb trying to feed her baby, and she had no nutrition in her, and her baby was also dying, and she had a tear in her eye. And I realized that, sorry, I realized that that mother was as much a mother as my wife was. And so it really brought that human connection to me. And, uh, sorry, I've, I've never actually been able to get away from, those are human beings, those are souls who so desperately need to hear the Word of God.
0: I think that's exactly right. We don't look at these people because they're poor as being some kind of a uh, uh, Hollywood glamour poverty program, if I can say it that way. These are souls Mm -hmm. that are worthy of the gospel as much as you or I. And just because we have the benefit here in North America that we... uh, are, have such ease of access to the message of the hour. And I I don't think that we have any greater right to the message. And I think Brother Harold saw that. And I think that
4: was the key to his ministry and his love for the people over there. Well, of course, the foundational thought comes from the message where Brother Branham said, no one here has a right to hear the gospel the second time till everyone's heard it the first time. Yeah, very true. Very true. Well, thank you, Brother
0: Kim, for being with us, and I appreciate your heartfelt comments of not just Brother Hildebrandt, who I know introduced you to the mission field, but I know you have been involved in the mission field for most of your life, and we appreciate you very much. And so thank you for being with us and sharing with us your thoughts.
4: All right. Well, God bless you.
0: There are, of course, others that have traveled and ministered with Brother Hildebrandt from Edmonton, um, and i maybe share some comments with you at this time. Brother Jerry Fury is a pastor in Edmonton now, has his own church there. He's also the son-in-law of Brother Hildebrandt, and I asked him if he would say a few words regarding his uh experiences with Brother Hildebrandt and his time spent with Brother Hildebrandt and the impact that it had on the missions field.
6: So here's Brother Jerry Fury from Edmonton. God bless you, Saints. Greetings in the name of the Lord Jesus. My name is Jerry Fury. I'm Brother Harold's son-in-law. Brother Harold had a great influence on my life. I was under his ministry for 18 years. I was involved with the mission work from helping to sending books overseas to travel with Brother Harold and Sister Marlene. In 1990, I traveled to Kenya to meet Brother Harold and Sister Marlene. I saw firsthand the great influence that Brother Harold had in Africa to get the message to our African brothers. In those days, it was much more of a labor than it is now. There was no internet, no cell phones, no email, a few pay phones. Many times they send a letter Before they would go to Africa to make sure that somebody was picking them up at the airport. Sometimes they'd be waiting around the airport for hours to be picked up. When I say labor intensive, I mean labor intensive. I mean Brother Harold would be carrying two suitcases and two bags strapped around his shoulders and Sister Marlene with bags strapped on her shoulders. No wheels on the suitcases. One suitcase was just for Brother Harold's notes, and they would be gone for six weeks at a time. Travelling in Africa was no easy task, especially in the 80s and the 90s. I remember Brother Harold coming home back from Africa, completely exhausted, couldn't speak because his throat was so raw from preaching, because he'd be preaching two or three services a day for almost six weeks, including many minister meetings. I recall Sister Marlene taking inventory of how many books were needed and what messages they wanted. I remember sitting in a hotel room with brothers from different areas in Africa, and Sister Marlene would be asking how many people in their congregations and what would be the nearest city the books could be shipped to. Remember, this is before laptops and iPads. Even today, I can see the influence of Brother Harold's ministry in, in establishing churches. He would make sure they would be sovereign. Brother Harold never tried to establish himself, but he focused to establish the message. He preached the gospel without favor or fear of men. Africa will be forever indebted to him for the sacrifices that Brother Harold and had to spread the gospel. Everywhere I go in Africa, I see the books that were sent and he and the work and the labor that was done. Now we are into second and third generation of the message in Africa. And it started from a man who grew up in the farm of Hague, Saskatchewan. Very little education, never truly understood the influence he would have on Africa. It all started because Brother Harold felt the Lord told him to go and evangelize Africa. He never realized what the labor of love would, would do to a continent. He never knew just by listening to that still small voice what that work would actually become. I have been to Africa many times after, and it will take the eternities to understand the impact Brother Harold had on the continent. I'll finish with this scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another buildeth thereon, but let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. God bless you, saints. Amen.
0: One last comment that we have for you today is from a good friend of mine, Brother Ed Hammermeister, who is now taken over for Brother Hildebrandt in End Time Message Tabernacle as the pastor. He has been the associate pastor for some time, and uh, uh, the people are now looking to him to lead the charge in the local church and in their missions efforts. So here's Brother Ed Hammermeister commenting on his association with Brother Hildebrandt and the impact of Brother Hildebrandt's life and ministry on the missions field.
1: Hello, my name is Ed Hammermeister. I'm a pastor at End Time Message Tabernacle in Edmonton. I've ministered alongside Brother Harold Hildebrandt for over 32 years. I've known him as a pastor but I've also seen him at work in the mission fields. My first trip with him was over 30 years ago to the countries of Kenya, Tanzania, and Malawi. I had heard reports of what he had done on previous trips, and perhaps with a sense of adventure, I went to see firsthand and hear what God was doing. Little did I realize the value of what I would experience. It was a pattern that would establish me and serve as a basis for future trips that I would take in the years to come. While Brother Harold had a gift as a pastor, the calling with which he went overseas was beyond that. It was under the order of an apostle, an apostle being one that is sent, a setter in order, that is not just the ministry of an evangelist nor is it just pastoral. The gift that Brother Harold would demonstrate was to be able to take foundational truths that were within the message, be concise, and leave behind statements, words, that would be building blocks and prove to be the framework for the revelation of those that would follow. As a true apostle, he would leave behind ministries that would build upon what was brought to them, would serve as a framework to establish local congregations and minister the message of the hour in many different areas. This follows the apostolic pattern that was in the book of Acts, where Paul, as a first church-age messenger, sought men that were faithfully taught, men like Timothy, men like Titus, men that could take the message, could take some of these same truths, be faithful with them, and move forward. In the Smyrnaian church age, the church age book that Brother Branham brought to us, I quote from this, it says, In every age we have exactly the same pattern. The light comes through some God-given messenger in a certain area, and from that messenger there spreads the light through the ministry of others who have been faithfully taught. Brother Harold would identify in this, and he felt the call to be like a Timothy, to go overseas, to go to different places, and he would use this as a pattern for other ministers to follow in. He would also highlight the importance of how it was necessary to speak only what the messenger has spoken. The quotation I shared from also says this they add here or take away there, and soon the message is no longer pure and the revival dies down. How careful we must be to hear one voice, for the Spirit has but one voice, which is the voice of God. Just as Paul could not change the revelation that was given to him, neither could we alter or change the message that God had sent in this last day. I appreciated what Brother Harold would bring to these places, and I witnessed firsthand in the countries of Malawi or Kenya, where he would go and find a contact, find a man who could take the message and be faithful with it. And he would exhort for this pattern to be followed through. And if I can say there was a success, it wasn't anything but the principles of the Word of God. And I believe these are principles we still need to work with in the day and the age we live in. While I witnessed in Brother Harold a boldness and a fearlessness, bold as a lion at times, he would be to proclaim the message that God had sent. And I believe God used him mightily in this. I also saw the burden that he had to get the message out in the form of books and tapes of the prophet messenger. He would often shun sending his own tapes, and rather take that which would help and build the people. I also witnessed a humility in the sense that he did not attempt to be a lord or build a kingdom, but rather place the message, give Jesus Christ into the hands of the local brethren. I believe that was a success with whereby God had helped him. I remember how Brother Branham as the messenger was told he'd have a message that would forerun the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. While he went to many countries, he himself could not fulfill all of that. And the apostolic pattern would have to be picked up. The prophet had a desire to see young men pick up the message and sweep it to the coming of the Lord. I believe Brother Harold caught part of this. I believe there's other brothers that have caught this and that still have this burden. And I have appreciated what I've witnessed firsthand lived out in this last day. Brother Harold has now passed on, but that which he's planted, that which he followed in the pattern of the Bible still lives on. And I believe that we can employ many of these same principles as we move on and press to find the last one in order that we may see the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm grateful to have been a part of this. I thank God for the life of our brother Harold. And I salute you all, wish you God's blessings. Brother Ed Hammermeister, thank you.
3: Brother Tim, I have to say that I thoroughly enjoyed and was inspired by every part of this, this podcast, every interview, all the words that were spoken. And a life like Brother Harold you know, has so many aspects, so many facets that you could admire. Um, whenever someone of this caliber passes away, for me, it causes me to just kind of take inventory of my own life and how Brother Harold saw the need of his time, caught the vision, and went into action, and now his legacy is behind him. But uh, we're still out on the field. We are still working. And uh, when I hear these kinds of testimonies following a life, I want to say, am I catching the vision for my time, for my place, for my mission, so that uh, if... I, you know, time goes on and I should pass on that it will be said that that I was also faithful in what God called me to do.
0: Yes, Brother Mark, I agree. Something you said just triggered something in me that uh, I was talking to a brother the other day and we were talking about what makes a good pastor, what makes a good minister, what makes a good missionary. And uh, one of the things that he said was, that you know it, it takes working a lot of hard work, and while there may be a lot of hard work involved, it's not necessarily hard workers that make the best missionaries or the ba- best pastors or whatever it might be. But I said to him, I says, really, what God wants us to do is when He opens a door for us, He wants us to walk through the door, and in our lives, God will open the door to do a service for Him. He doesn't want us to shy back. That's always human nature is to say we're not able. But when God opens a door that's something that uh, He expects us to walk through that door and fulfill what He's called us to do. And I remember Brother Harold telling me one time uh, in the ministry that he said "I he used to think, you know, why didn't some of these brothers go to Africa and plant the Word and and teach the people and and strengthen the churches there. He says, and then the Holy Spirit spoke in his heart, said, well, why don't you go? And he didn't feel adequate, but he went. And because of that many, many lives have been impacted and hundreds, even thousands of churches have been established in the faith and strengthened in the Word of God and prepared for the rapture. Brother Harold Hildebrandt was a great friend to me. I pastored in the north, only about five hours away from End Time Message Tabernacle there in Edmonton. He was always encouraging. He was always positive. He was always uh, someone that, even though he had a gruff demeanor in many ways, he, at least for me personally, he was always someone that felt like I could do something and encourage me to do something for the kingdom of God. And when I saw all that he did and the church that had gathered around him, the the strong believers that were there strengthened by the word of God, it made me realize that we too can do something, whoever we are, for the kingdom of God. It's like Brother Branham talks about footprints on the sands of time, that great poem. There's been some footprints that have been laid down now. And I don't think our feet are big enough to feel the footprints of Brother Harold Hildebrandt, but they walked a good pathway. They ran a good race, they fought a good fight. And we are blessed to have been able to be observers and in a very small way uh, co-workers with Brother Hildebrandt. And we'll never forget the legacy, the impact the power of that ministry that affected so many for good in the kingdom of God. As Brother Stephen said, fare thee well. We'll meet you at the Eastern Gate. God bless the Hildebrandt family. God bless each and every one that listens to this podcast. May it be a blessing to you. We pray that it'll encourage you to be courageous and move forward in whatever God has called you to be in this life. For the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ God bless you until the next podcast Shalom thank you for joining us on the podcast today remember friends the bridegroom will not come until the bride has made herself ready she must be both called and fully dressed by the word of God
2: This is the Believer's Faith Challenge Report Podcast. You can sign up for our email newsletter at BibleWay.org. Scroll to the bottom of the page where it says Newsletter. Fill in your name and email address and click Sign Up. In this email report, you will receive reports of the works of God in China, in Africa, in South America, in India, Europe, all over the world. We also publish a full-color paper newsletter two times a year, complete with photographs, reports, and testimonies from all over the world. The newsletter is free. Just request it, and we would be happy to mail a copy to you. You can contact us by email at info at bible-believers.org. That's info at bible-believers.org. Or you can write to us at Bible Believers P.O. Box 128 Blaine Washington 98231. That's Bible Believers P.O. Box 128. Blaine Washington 98231. This is Mark Aho. Thank you for being with us today. And be sure to join us for the next. Believer's Faith Challenge Report Podcast.